everybody, welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Revelations Radio Network. My name is Chris, and this show is called Nowhere to Run. Thanks, however you found the show, whether it was from Revelations Radio Network or iTunes or uh, through the YouTube videos or Google searches or whatever. I'm glad you're here. If you have any questions about anything I've said in the past, questions about the Bible, about conspiracy stuff, you can go to my website, which is nowheretorunradio.com, and you can contact me. There's a little tab that says contact. Just fill out that form, and I'll get back to you very soon. Okay, so we've got a lot to do today, so let's just go down the line here. The first thing I want to talk about is Keith Thompson's film, otherwise known as Keith Truth, came out with a really, really good uh, movie that we've been expecting and and, uh, waiting for for a long time called Aquarius Age of Evil, and it's now live on the internet on his YouTube site. You can see it at his new website, keithtruth.com or keithtruth.blogspot.com. You can also see it on his uh, YouTube page. I'll link all this stuff at his, uh, excuse me, at my website, um, com. But uh, I was interviewed and uh, displayed fairly prominently in the, in the uh, new movie. <clears throat> so that was pretty cool. You can, uh, you know, see me talking about stuff like, um, you know, the truth movement in 2012 and, you know, the uh, view of the new age view and theosophy and all these kinds of things. So um, he does a really good job. It's a lot of stuff that not a lot of people are talking about. He's definitely um, one of the better researchers out there, period, about all this stuff. So it's just a really great thing to be a part of it and encourage you to check it out and also encourage you to purchase the film if you get a chance. Uh, he's a really great guy, and I just couldn't say enough about uh, Keith Thompson. Other show note type issues is uh, versebyversebibleteaching.com that I've been doing with my roommate Mike Tater, otherwise known as Tom Bionic, and we've just been having a ball with it, and we just got finished with Galatians 2, verses 1 through 10, the third episode, and it's just been a great way to spend my time. I find it to be definitely the most challenging thing that I've ever done as far as research and things. And it's it's the most inexhaustible. I mean, it's a thing that you can never feel like you could get done. I could go back uh, a year from now and do the same study and get more out of it. It's just as much time as I try to put into it, the still I'm not, I'm, I could always do better, do more. And so I just find it to be the perfect uh, place to sort of expend the energies of research, especially because it is such an important thing. I think one of the ideas behind verse-by-verse Bible teaching is not just that you get um, your sort of really understanding the word and sort of chewing on it and savoring it as it's sort of bringing out all the flavor, but it also um, it also has this effect of being able to just uh, lay out the full counsel of God, you know, uh, and that in itself bears fruit. Whenever the word of God is preached, it just it just um, uh, does its own thing. You know, it finds its own ears, kind of thing. So I'm just excited about that. We just started a YouTube page, and uh, I think that'll be a great ministry too, because there's not a lot of that going on on the YouTube. We finally got all the verse, excuse me, the RSS feeds figured out, and it's on iTunes now. 
had some trouble with that right at first, but I think it's all good now. And added a few different things. The archive page uh, is is coming together. Like I said, we've only done three verse, three uh, excuse me, three uh, episodes so far. But another thing that I added there was something that I'm going to start implementing on all my sites, including the Nowhere to Run site. Uh, as I put out this podcast, I haven't quite done it yet, but it's just to something I've saw, seen on Mike Heiser's blogs, <clears throat> specifically Paleo Babble, where he has a thing where you can enter your email address and it will send out a notification in your email of a new post on that uh, on that blog or whatever. It's very in- unintrusive, just a link to the blog, what, what the title is, a little bit about it. So uh, I think that's a great way for people like myself that don't really use RSS readers or things like that. And, uh, I, I, so I think it's a great thing for people that, that aren't into that to keep up with the things that they're interested in. So I'm going to start putting those on all of those. So far, I've just have it on verse by verse bibleteaching.com and the 2012deception.net, which I'll also be updating um, today. So, okay, what else is going on with with this? Okay, moving to dvdtracked.com. A lot of cool things going on with dvdtrack.com. Thanks uh, in large part to Ivan, uh, a new partner I've been working on uh, uh, specifically with DVD Tracked and with Verse by Verse Bible teaching stuff. And just really excited to have him on board and, and helping out with that. And so I, uh, what he's been helping me on is, is lots of different things. One of the things keeping dvdtrack.com updated and, and you know uh, kind of being the sort of webmaster over there. But also helping to track down uh, new tracked information, specifically one for uh, Catholicism, people that um, are in are Catholics, and we'll talk about that here in just a second because that's a that's a big part of what I'm about to say. But um, DVDtrack.com by itself has been doing great. Just put up a new offer for anybody that is a pastor of a church that is looking for to do an evangelistic campaign of some sort. That uh, we'll just send you. Uh, a copy of all the DVD tracked masters. I mean, DVDtrack.com is there to sort of explain how to make your own masters of the different uh, tracks that we have. Uh, for example, the regular DVDtrack.com, uh, the regular DVDtrack.com in Spanish, uh, Mormons, Muslims, Jehovah's Witnesses, New Christians, Homosexuals, all of those are the ones that we currently have, and we'll send you all of those uh, that you can make du- uh, duplicates of them very a lot easier if you have uh, if you have the master copies already there. So uh, I will send you that for free if you're a pastor of a church. In fact, I've already sent out uh, last week or last week in the week before, I think it's somewhere around there, uh, two packets, uh, one to a pastor in Michigan, one to a pastor in uh, Indiana. So <clears throat> very excited about that. That's essentially exactly what I always wanted DVD track to be. <clears throat> Uh, to get it into the hands of people that want to do evangelism, that uh, want a new, effective way to do it. And uh, and uh, that's what DVDTrack.com is really meant for. So if you're a pastor out there, uh, don't hesitate to give me an email. Uh, you can do so at uh, my personal uh, uh, email address, which is nowhere to run 1984 at gmail.com. Okay, but the main thing I wanted to talk about in regards to DVDTrack.com is that uh, Ivan and I have been looking for great testimonies from former Catholics, which has usually been the system for making the tracks. Um, for example, the Muslim tract. Instead of instead of debunking point by point Muslim, uh, you know, doctrine or whatever, which I find 
to be often very useless in trying to debunk Mormonism or whatever. Very rarely do you win a a soul by winning an argument or to, by showing them that uh, you know their doctrine is false because it just for whatever reason doesn't have that that great of effect. It does plant seeds. There's nothing wrong with it, but I think that testimonies. Um, include all that stuff in it usually. I mean, in some form or another, even though it's not always explicitly uh, stated. So what I really, really need from you is um, is one of two things. Either testimonies that you just write down, maybe write down a basic of your testimony and, and email it to me, or... Uh, and then we, then I can either just read it myself or, um, or maybe I can call you and I can do an interview with me, with you where you can record it. If you don't have like a recording software, I can record it when we talk, or you could record an audio and send that to me and we could make a, uh, a movie out of that, which would be great. That would be just perfect. If you could make an audio or even better, if you have, um, video, I would love for you to send me your video, and I could put it on my YouTube site, the DVDTrack.com YouTube site. Um, and anyway, I need I need different testimonies from people that are former Catholics. It's really really important because there's not a lot going on on the internet, and then I think this particular tract has the potential to be one of the biggest tracks that can uh, go as far on the internet as as anything else uh, that I've ever done. So. So I think that this is a great opportunity for somebody, former Catholic. Um, you don't have to have a great testimony. It doesn't have to be a really super grand, powerful thing. But if you do have one of those, I especially encourage you uh, to contact me about that. And you can do so. Uh, I'll give you my email address here in just a minute. Um, but uh, I think it's, it's a really great opportunity for your testimony to bear fruit with other uh, Catholics. So... Uh, okay, my email address is nowhere to run nineteen eighty four at gmail dot com, and again, you can either write me a a letter, and then I can call you, or you just write me a letter if that's all you want to do. Do an audio with some program that you might find, like Audacity, which is free. A u d a c i t y. Look at me spelling off the top of my head. Um, or you um, can, of course. Make a video and either upload it to YouTube yourself or email me a link to the where I can download the video and put it on YouTube myself. Either way, I need your help. Okay, I suppose that's a good segue of some sort to what some of the things I want to talk about today. One of those being a current event thing, George Allen Wreckers. This is the guy who was the minister who was very outspoken about uh, you know his views about homosexuality, essentially saying that people could change and everything and he, and changed their orientation, what they were calling or conversion therapy, and that um, he, of course, got busted with this uh, male escort guy that he subsequently lied about and said, oh, yes, I just hired him for the purposes of carrying my bags because I recently had surgery and whatever. Now, on the surface, I was listening to PID Radio with uh, Sharon and Derek there uh, last night. I was working on some website stuff, and... Uh, um. On the surface, of course, it it's like, don't insult our intelligence. Of course, you knew what was going on when you went to rentboy.com or whatever. The thing is, is that I'm thinking that this is exactly what it was supposed to be. I mean, uh, I guess here's a good way to explain it. I'll, I'll try to... Uh, this guy, let me read some of this guy's um, stuff from Wikipedia here. This guy was 
incredibly uh, influential in the idea that people could change. Um, I, I can't, it's almost too extensive. I mean, I'll read the sort of abstract, but the stuff that he was involved in was very, very, very clearly like one of the one of the guys out there that was doing the the studies about people being able to change. George Allen Records is American Christian minister. He is uh, an emeritus professor at neuro of neuropsychiatry and behavior scientist at the University of South Carolina of Medicine. He received his Ph.D. in human developmental psychology from the University of California. Los Angeles, his THD from University of South Africa, and his MBA from Southern Wesleyan University. In 1983, Records was on the founding board of the Family Research Council, a non-profit Christian lobbying organization, along with James Dobson and Armin Nichol Jr. He is a former officer of the National Association of Research and Therapy of Homosexuality, NARTH, an organization offering conversion therapy intended to change homosexuals into heterosexuals. Records has testified on allegedly destructive and sinful nature of homosexuality in a number of court cases involving organizations and state agencies working with children. In May 2010, the Miami News Times reported that Records had hired a man who offered male prostitution through a website called Rampboy.com, a travel companion to hair, whatever. So this goes, I mean, the rest of the Wikipedia is, is just this extensive uh, thing that he was sort of the poster boy for Yes, you can change uh, your orientation. <clears throat> now, this is uh, very similar to what happened to uh, a group named Exodus International, which is probably one of the most uh, visible organizations that, uh, that you can change your orientation, that you can turn from a homosexual to a heterosexual, and that it's possible. Now... This is because it's so visual. The same thing happened in 1979. Two of the co-founders, there were a lot of these founders, but two of the co-founders uh, ended up divorcing their wives and, I guess, sort of not marrying, but, but you know, being with each other. So this is, to me, just the, it just makes me want to, like, punch Satan in the gut because it's so clear what's being done here. And... If uh, the homosexual community is bombarded with books and ideas and stuff that and reinforcements of their their belief that this is who they are, how could God hate what he created me to be? And these sort of things um, are a big, big part of uh, everything to do with them. And so and they already sort of have this view that Christianity is their enemy. And it's really an unfortunate thing because um, it's like. It's like uh, Satan's sort of playing both sides of the fence here. He's like telling one to get mad at the other so the other will get mad at the other person. It's pretty much classic Satan stuff. But um, I think that on one hand, Christian, um, I don't know if I call it hatred of homosexuality, is illogical, unchristian, you know, lots of different things like that is what it is. And that's sort of perpetuated by Satan to make the gay community have no nowhere to turn as far as that. They can't turn to the Christians because they perceive them as hating them, which is probably not to the degree that they actually do. But still, it's got a bit of truth in it because uh, the Christians have sort of agreed to this Christian culture or uh, and especially non-biblical idea that they should be... Um, shunned or given some sort of contempt or whatever, which is insane. I mean, from a biblical perspective, uh, because God figures that particular sin prominent is really a, a, 
a note of its danger to the practitioner. I mean, it's spiritually dangerous. It's physically dangerous. It, we are warned against it more severely because of the physical and spiritual repercussions of it. That That's all the more reason to give these uh, individuals our sympathy, um, not our contempt. But, of course, it's being perpetuated now on such a level with these things like this individual, uh, which clearly paints a picture of all these things. This George Allen Wrecker's story will uh, continue to thrive because it has all the elements that we need. We need we've got the lying, hypocritical Christian with he's like, I didn't know it was a, I thought it was just my travel companion to carry my bags. Um, although, you know, it's got all these juicy details about this rent boys, um, you know, his profile on there was just this really just disgusting sort of thing. So it's got these great, wonderful, juicy elements of, of the story, in addition to this guy being a hugely prominent uh, uh, figure in this, in this uh, You Can Change movement. Now, that's, that, that's the key element of this, because this, of course, is going to be the shot that is heard around the uh, homosexual world as confirmation to everything that they've already been subtly told. And, of course, it's nothing new. It's nothing shocking, because they all knew that of course you can't change. And here's a guy that has spent his whole life saying that you can change, and uh, he himself was a homosexual that obviously had not changed. So, uh, and of course, Exodus International, the primary uh, ministry for homosexualities, homosexuals, is that saying that they can change is also, as I mentioned, the same thing. So, or at least in 79, two of the founders uh, did that. So, now my uh my what I would say to you is that tr that I, that you can change that they can change that's the exactly what I was trying to show if nothing else in the uh DVD track that I did uh for homosexuals it was just one lady's testimony I believe I've played it here on the show before she's basically saying that um she became a christian and um she still had the desires but after becoming a Christian, she knew that she was going to turn away from it and uh, follow Jesus. And the thing that happened to her in that decision, that repentance, is because that's what repentance means. Re repent is a compound word in the Greek. It means meta, uh, was part of it, is means to change, as in metamorphosis, and noia, which is mind. So metanoia means exactly what she did. She repented. She changed her mind and resisted the heavy heavy temptations um for uh and and it for her it took her uh she says six months and the lord took it away from her uh exactly as he says he would do repent the devil he will flee from you um that the, and, he, and i feel so strongly about that because it's exactly the same story that happened to me with alcoholism i made the decision in my mind that no matter what happened i was not going to drink uh any more alcohol and I resisted it to with great temptation. I mean, it was like a firestorm of temptation. I mean, like, obviously demonic stuff that was going on trying to get me to drink for, in my case, three months. And it was gone. I think that the repentance aspect of this, you know, people are praying and praying and praying, oh, God, take this away from me. Why aren't you taking it away from me? Am I born like this or not? Um... It, are not understanding that they also have a part in this, that you have to repent. You have, I mean, you can pray for it to go away, but doing like David did on the, uh, on his roof, you know, looking down at Bathsheba, 
he didn't just look and notice. He looked and looked, you know, and dwelled on it and uh, soaked it in. That's that's not something that you can do. If you're doing that, that's sort of disobedience to the idea of repentance, whether it's homosexuality, alcoholism, drugs, uh, pornography, uh, whatever. So you have to do your part if you want to be free from the bonds of sin. You have to repent of it. Repent is not merely saying, oh, I'm sorry, I wish I didn't do it. It's an active thing in addition to something that God gives you the power to do. So it's kind of both and. Um, so, okay, that's, uh, that's, that's that. One of the things that you can do to help with that, and I could go into some details about how I think, um, it does happen that, uh, people are homosexuals. I think it's a very, it's a, it's a spiritual thing that happens. Um, and I think the mechanics of it are understood. Um, I guess the best way to explain it is if you emailed me and you wanted to know about it, I will, uh, I will tell you in an email. Uh, but basically, it has a lot to do with not just molestation. I don't think molestation you have to actually be molested technically or even uh, in intercourse or anything like that. But uh, it is often associated with that because that's, well, that's how the transfer happens. But I think that um, it doesn't have to be actual molestation. It can be other things as well. Uh, as long as that transfer doorway has a chance to happen, and often it happens, it's sort of a perpetual cycle. And that uh, the person uh, continues on that. Uh, and and anyway, I won't uh, go into too much detail there. But one of the things that you can do, uh, to, if you if you want to, is that I do have this video on my YouTube page, the DVD Tract YouTube page. And if you go to dvdtract.com and click on the YouTube link there on the sidebar, you'll see that I have a video on there called. Um, uh, how to witness to homosexuals, I believe, is the name of it. And if you want to help, I think that a great thing to do is to download that movie to either your YouTube page or to another video site and rename it. Uh, rename it something, because that's really what the, the Google sees. They see videos, they're indexing videos, people are watching videos to, to answer their questions. But um, I just can't upload it to all the different potential names. So sometimes what I'll do is I'll do keyword searches to see what people are typing in to, in regards to things and then name the video that. So um, you can watch a video, get a lot of hits by uh, posting it in a situation like that and renaming it or posting it on a forum. Forums have an amazing way um, if you title, if it's a you know pretty high-ranking forum or whatever and you type in the title of your uh, new post as, you know, um, um, proof that homosexuals can change or something like that, you know, something bold that gets people's attention and then putting that video on there. I think that will really help people. It's just sort of a counter attack that will give uh, the, the Lord, you know, some places to direct some people that are wondering about this very same issue. And I did look, you know, I looked a long, a long time for the, the the best ways to to say what's said on that DVD track. So um, it's a good, as far as my personal opinion, it's definitely a good way to to say it. Okay, um, let's see. One of the other things I wanted to talk about is um, marriage, and um, as many of you know, I'm going to get married here in August to my girlfriend of quite a number of years. And um, I have been 
thinking about it, I was thinking about it yesterday, is that, you know, I've been doing a study of the book of Galatians at versebyversebibleteaching.com, and that that book is really about showing that the, the gospel is salvation um, by grace plus nothing. No works, no anything. It is salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But the marriage gospel, I think, is a little different. I think it is salvation by grace plus works. And um, what I mean is that, uh, of course, um, your wife, your husband loves you and, you know, and all this stuff. But I think that there are certain, we have to keep the input going. Um, not necessarily to have a marriage, but to have a abundant marriage, a good marriage. It requires um, input. It requires things that need to be done. Now, I was thinking this in a really uh, small way at first, which is regards to keeping the house clean and things, because I'm not very uh, good at keeping the house clean. And uh, my fiance is really good at that. She is... Um, She's not just keeping the house clean, but she, like in all the roommates over the years that she's had that have not, um, you know, been really good at washing the dishes or whatever, you know, very diligent. She, it always bothers her. You know, it really is like the one contentious thing she ever has to say about anybody. And of course, you know, I'm definitely not, it's not like the first thing on my mind. Um, but I, but I see that as something that I can learn and, and change. In fact, I tried to turn my like kitchen and bathroom into like testing grounds to see if I could, uh, work with this new radical idea of keeping things clean as I go instead of like having cleaning uh, days every, you know, month. No, not every month, every two months. And um, no, uh, it's it's not that bad, but it still is. It still is something I need to learn. And anyways, so I was kind of thinking of it like that. It's like I need to do that because I do know from from the way that she is, is that um I have to do that to keep her not mad. I mean, she she can't help it. She's not mad or whatever, but it is required uh, for her personality. I think a lot of uh, women are like that, not necessarily in that things, those kind of things, but I think that the practical sort of service or works-oriented uh, things are an absolutely crucial part of input that you must do um, as as a husband or as a wife. There are things that we must do in addition to just being loved. Um, now, of course, the Bible is really, really good at explaining a lot of this stuff. And I think I'll just go a quick, really quick sort of Bible study about it. Before I do, I'll mention some of these things that you could get from any, uh, any marriage counseling sort of thing. It's just these kind of ideas to express love. Uh, words, gifts, acts of service, quality time, touch. I think words are a good thing to, to do as well. Um, you know, I think it's always good to Write emails, write texts uh, throughout the day, maybe uh, Bible verses or, you know, you know, maybe stuff that you guys could pray about or remember to pray about this thing or, you know, sort of things that are biblically based and sort of helping as a husband. I think it's important uh, uh, for that because uh, mainly of the Ephesians 5 passages where it's sort of showing this this connection it's doing a lot of different things in the Ephesians 5 passages passages really but one of the things is it connects the display of the marriage of man and woman to uh Christ and his church but in that is also the as he mentions the washing of the water by the word and the way that uh he's presenting to himself 
uh, this church without having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. Who uh, now I'm going to just watch, read some of this uh, real quick. Submitting to submitting to one another in fear of God. Husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it, that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that He might present to Himself. A glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his uh, wife loves himself. For no one has hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does his church. For all members of his body, of his flesh and his bones, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, and I speak concerning Christ and his church. Nevertheless, let any, each one of you in particular so love his own wife, as himself, and let his wife see that she respects her husband. And this is, of course, uh, sort of echoing what's said in Mark 10, verse 6, 9, which says, But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, uh, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh, so that they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. And I really do believe that something significant happens uh, in marriage, that, that some way, whether it's spiritually or physically or whatever, uh, they they somehow become one flesh. And therefore, all these sort of admonitions of what are you doing? Anything you do to her, you're doing to yourself kind of thing. But I think it's also important, as before I get into this here, is to talk about that. I think there are certain things that we can do. And I think um, uh, trying to get... Uh, trying to be an active as a husband to sort of get the word involved somehow, even if it's also for you too. I'm not saying that you're some spiritual giant yet or anything like that, but maybe, um, you know, you could just suggest that maybe you could start praying for stuff together out loud, or, you know, maybe you guys could start um, doing a Bible uh, study or, you know, getting one of these uh, books like uh, Henry Blackaby's um, Experiencing God or something like that. And just kind of read a chapter at a time. You can get two of them or something like that. Something to be seeking the Lord together. I think th that sort of lets this foundation start to be formed and let the, the word, uh, uh, you know, sort of strengthen you both. But anyway, so here are some other uh, works that I think are important. Now, providing is a biblical principle. First Timothy 5 verse 8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Um, now, that's that's pretty heavy admonition. So providing is an important part, and it's not just financially, but also spiritually and physically. And so I think it's uh, really important to know that, but also to know that our provisions are not our own, that um, really God is the only one that's going to be doing the real providing, and that you shouldn't see it as a failure on your part uh, if you're not providing one of those particular ways. Because, you know, ultimately, God is the source for all of this stuff. And then it's in a real way, not in sort of a, a nice way to say it or whatever. Uh, and that includes, and I think in that regard, the best thing that you can do to provide, and I've talked about this ad nauseum on this show, is that basically uh, you have to um, provide via your storing up faith in God and prayer for the things that you need. So it kind of, the, the mechanism is you're praying diligently to God, seeking his will for your family, seeking the provisions for your family. God will take care of that and, and get it done. And then you give it to them. You're sort of the middleman. 
But if you're down here just thinking you have to do it all yourself and, you know, you know, you're not really considering him in the situation, then you're not being a good provider, even though they might be having money uh, and, and, you know, not hurting for any particular thing. There will come a time where uh, they might not have that. And then you'll be starting from ground zero where you really needed to be, uh, you know, storing up provisions, which is in the faith of God as provider, Jehovah Jireh. Okay, um, let's see here. Of course, do not divorce. Those are some pretty basic things. There's quite a lot on that. Uh, but I will, for the sake of uh, clarity, read, read one of them or two here. Uh, Luke 16, verse 18. Whosoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery, and whoever marries her who is divorced from her husband commits uh, adultery. Now, of course, um, uh, it, it is uh, mentioned in Matthew 5, 31. Uh, furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces your wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, whatever, whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. So uh, Jesus has pretty particular views about divorce. Now, that doesn't mean if you've done, if you've been divorced for, you know, wrong reasons in the past or whatever, that that's, you know, some something that whatever, you know, can't uh, be forgiven over or whatever. That's just not true. Uh, you can repent for all that stuff and it's, it's, it's okay in Christ. I mean, you're forgiven for all that stuff. That's what he died on the cross for. So it's not a big uh, deal. It probably has its, its repercussions is one of the reasons it's, it's, uh, warned against like any sin is that, um, you know, look at David's life. He didn't obey the simple things of, uh, having one wife and, Look how awful his his life turned out to be. He was a great man of God. He was a man who, um, a man after God's own heart, used to write the Psalms and to write uh, and to be Israel's greatest king, and all kinds of cool stuff. But he, because of his um, his many wives, he had. I mean, his son tried to kill him. His other son had, I mean, a terrible falling away with the same types of sins. I mean, it was just a mess. I mean, uh, uh, people were murdered. It was absolutely, his family life was the worst possible family life like around. And that was because of a result of uh, his inability to restrain himself uh, sexually. And I think that um, there is an arena in which uh, your sexual, you know, fantasies and all those things are, are okay. And that's inside a marriage. That's that's like sort of the arena for all that stuff. And, and anything and everything else is, um, begins to destroy not only your life, but your marriage. And on the other side of that is where you realize, um, how much better it is for your marriage and for you if none of that stuff was there. And, it's difficult to turn from a lot of the pornography and stuff that's available. And I consider pornography stuff that's on the TV, uh, stuff that's in movies and whatnot, uh, not just, you know, pornography, but, um, once you start to really resist it and, uh, once God sort of takes the, takes it from you as far as the, the, the power that it has, um, once he takes that power away, it's just a matter of sort of continuing to, not give it any more power, which is still, you know, occasionally difficult because, you know, you'll get a dart here and there, uh, but you have to sort of just resist that dart. I mean, it's just a dart at that point. It's no longer a flaming, you know, sword. So I guess flaming swords are pretty bad. Darts are pretty bad too, but, um, flaming sword would be worse. So 
what I'm saying is that um, that is incredibly important to have self-control and that stuff and watch it uh, change your life. You would be surprised how much your life changes uh, with that mental decision that you can do something that you can do to change everything. And I, and I think that it's, it's a revolutionary thing nowadays, which is ridiculous that it has gotten to be, you know, essentially revolutionary to not have any other fantasies besides, uh, your wife. And I mean, most of you are thinking, well, I mean, that's why I have fantasies. So I, you know, don't have to, you know, whatever. No, no, I'm saying no fantasies except for your wife, um, or your girlfriend or whatever. That's what I'm saying. If you don't have a girlfriend or whatever, then, you know, somebody that's definitely not married. I tend to view biblical marriage as somebody that's had sex before. So that even narrows it further down for, you know, potential, uh, you know, fantasies. I'm not trying to ruin your day here. I'm just saying that if you do decide to do that on the other side of that, you're going to find that it's more natural. It's better. It's exactly what you want, but it's extremely hard to see right at first before any of us even attempted to resist. But uh, if you do attempt to resist it, there is power to help you. Um, But you must repent. You must make a firm decision that no matter what, you're going back. And then to take the the ensuing attack, which will come. It will be harder than ever before. But you must resist it at that point stronger than ever before and be like, is this all you got? Is this the worst that you can do, temptation? Is this what it's going to be like? Because if this is all it is, then I can do this for the three months or six months or whatever it is that the Lord's going to take it away from me because he's definitely going to take it away from me. So if this is all you got, I can resist it for this amount of time. And you can watch your life totally change. Watch your marriage healed. Uh, it heals things that you wouldn't even uh, believe that it had anything to do with. It, it's um, it's uh, something that uh, not only is a good idea, but it's absolutely crucial, and it will save uh, marriages. Okay, put Jesus first. This is obviously a very important thing, and I think that we always say this uh, in in sort of conversations if we're Christians, like, well, you know, after after you know God, I mean. Uh, she's everything or he's everything or whatever. But I think that it is also in practice something that in Luke fourteen twenty six says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, he, yes, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And I think that, of course, Jesus speaks in hyperbole a lot. Uh, hyperbole essentially means using extreme examples in order to make a point. And this is a great example of that, uh, that really in putting him first, he, of course, not only cares for you, but he cares for your family more than you can care for them. Um, so he is uh, worthy, and it's a good bet to put him first for your wife and children and mother and father. That's the best thing that you can do for your mother and father and wife and children and brothers and sisters is to put Jesus first and let him do all the heavy lifting in regards to that stuff. Um, don't be bitter. This is a good one. Uh, I'll read a few verses here from Colossians three, verse 19 husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Okay. Sometimes, uh, of course you can let little things really, really get to you. And, um, they can, I, I think that Satan sort of has these little, uh, I'll, I'll talk, talk a little bit about this. Let me read the other verses first. First, uh, Peter Three verse seven. Likewise, you husbands dwell with them uh, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of grace of life, that your prayers not be, may not be hindered. Here he's saying that your prayers are actually going to be hindered. God's going to 
not listen to your prayers if you are not uh, giving honor to your wife. So that's an incentive. First uh, Peter three verse eight. Finally, all of you being of one mind, have compassion for one another, love as your brothers, uh, and tender hearted to be courteous. Uh, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing for he who uh, would love life and see good days. Let him refrain from refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him speak peace and pursue it. Okay, so do not be bitter. Now, this is something that uh, we, uh, I just went on vacation to the Gulf Shores with my uh, fiance and her family. And one of the things that uh, we did is sort of a, uh, uh, what do you call it, a um, thing where they shower, I guess. But, um, and they were all asking us questions and blah, 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 and giving us advice and all this stuff. And the advice was, Almost exactly what we heard in another thing when we went to in a church situation where um, they ever you know married married couples are giving their advice and the central theme of both that and this was the same thing communication and I'll try to sum it up this way that uh, it basically is uh, when you have a problem that needs to be resolved uh, it's very hard to get it resolved a lot of times because you tell the person what the problem is and then they take it the wrong way and then you start fighting and, and it's all messed up. Um, here's the deal. Um, I really, and probably like many other people do not like to get told, um, you know, stuff, especially from like, you know, uh, you know, my fiance or whatever stuff that, that, you know, is hurtful or not even hurtful. And really, I mean, I, I'm weird about this because I, I, when I, I don't really take criticism, I guess that well, which is kind of interesting. I take really good criticism from like, you know, the stuff that I do here online, but for whatever reason, um, certain types of things I don't take very well, but usually only for a little bit of time. I always see it because she's very smart and like, I always see it as true in about four or five minutes, 10 minutes time. But usually for that first 10 minutes, I'll react bad to it or whatever, you know, um, but those things absolutely have to be discussed. And the reason they have to be discussed is because if they're not, then one person can become bitter holding all that stuff in. And and it's kind of like if you are, you know, building this big wall, you know, one brick at a time and something's really annoying you or bothering you about uh about your wife or husband and you just it just really gets to you and you don't say anything about it and every time that they do it satan is having an opportunity to just really work on you and whisper in your ears like can you believe they're doing it again you know and it's just creating this terrible thing and of course satan is enjoying it and laughing because he knows that if you let the sun go down on your anger it will give him a foothold which it says uh in uh the bible so you've got this this incentive for the entire satanic kingdom to get a foothold in the life of a Christian by getting their anger built up. So when they notice what really bothers you and maybe you haven't told them yet or whatever, and they see you looking at him again, I mean, they're, they're observant. They're seeing the way you're looking at him when he's doing his, his annoying, you know, noise that he makes with his coffee or the way she is doing particular something or whatever. Then they're, they're working on him. It's like, mm, isn't that good coffee? You should drink it more, you know, like that or whatever. Don't you like coffee? You know, <laughs> I don't know. Whatever the situation is, they're working on both sides of the event uh, to, to create more anger. So um, it's important to discuss those things. And so how do you 
do the communication thing because it's not easy because anytime you have to discuss something like that, inevitably, it's going to be incredibly difficult because you have to tell the individual that you are not happy with something they've been doing and they've probably been doing it for years and they're like, well, you mean you've been like totally frustrated with this for like nine years and you have, you know, and then they feel bad and whatever. So here's a proposal um, that knowing that these events have to happen, you can sort of announce them. Like, hey, we need to have one of those things that, you know, uh, is going to be hard to hear for the first little bit. But then if we just dwell on it, it's going to be okay and it's going to be better on the other end because we have to talk about it. We have to um, – you have to sort of – and this is a theory, of course. Obviously, I'm not married, but um, this is uh, an idea. Sort of – and I sort of kind of make it a thing and then sort of an agreement on my part to once it's announced, okay, this is not – this is one of those times, whatever is coming, it's one of those times where I'm going to hear what's being said. I know that I'm going to react badly and be illogical uh, about it for the first little while until I say, until I figure out that it's true. So I'll kind of hear it and then know in my heart that I have to just listen to it and not necessarily react and whatever I'm going to think at first is going to be essentially wrong. I need to sit on it for a while. And maybe that would be a way to, to deal with it. But I think that finding some solution to those communication, uh, uh, that particular communication problem, certain things that make you bitter uh, are, are important. Because bitterness is uh, a gateway to, um, to evil in many different ways. So it's a great thing to crush and to forgive and to realize that, uh, that you know, um, of course, of course, uh, even if they, let's say, they deserve it. That's a really important thing. If you've got somebody that is obviously disobedient to the Lord, they um, they really they really do deserve your anger. That's the hardest part about anger sometimes, is that what if the individual really, you're, you're totally in the right. You know, you want to go to a counseling service just to be like, look at them, look, just validate this. I mean, that person is just awful and you're probably right that you're probably absolutely right but that doesn't mean that um that there isn't anything that you can do in fact um you know david guzik who i listen to a lot he was talking one time in a, in a commentary about how he does a lot of marriage counseling and he says him and his, him and his wife do it, do it together and he said they always know when they can't help a couple when the individuals uh want to just are blaming the the marriage on the the fault of the other person, and while that may be true, it's not a, a path to uh, fixing it, and it should be a relief to those people in some ways to know that it is not dependent on that person's uh, changing their attitude to saving that marriage, uh, and that's that's a great relief because some of the people they know good and well they're not going to change no matter what they said or or whatever, um, but one of the things that you can do is to change yourself to regardless of if they deserve it or don't deserve it or whatever, start doing what the Bible says for you to do um, about marriage and doing your part as unto the Lord. And, um, and that will actually put you sort of in, in a situation of, you know, doing, doing what you're supposed to be doing. And of course, praying for the individual, whether it's for their salvation or, you know, whatever, but uh, or for them to stop doing the thing you're doing or whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, that's an important part of it. 
and let the Lord do the changing of the individual. You can't change them uh, in in the big ways. Um, if it, depending on what it is, I mean, there's certain things obviously you can change them with, but the Lord is going to be your uh, your helper. So you do your obedience as unto the Lord and pray for the individual and uh, do what the we'll do what the Bible says in regards to your your mandates. A great uh, great study on that is um, David Guzik's marriage series on Ephesians five. You can go to his website Enduring Word. Dot com and in the commentary section at the very bottom there is a series on marriage and it's about uh, well, I don't know ten hours or something like that it's really good um so yeah and that will really explain what what I mean about a lot of that okay let's see what else we got here don't be bitter um, ways of expressing love affection and attention. Let the husband render to his wife affection due to her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, and the husband, but the husband uh, does. And likewise the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you before your lack of self-control. Well, that's a pretty interesting one. Uh, this commentator says here, in general, the physical side of marriage is more important to men and the emotional is more important to women. In other words, your wife's feelings are very important. <laughs> well, I think that uh, definitely this one pretty much speaks for itself. And I, I like the way that it puts it. Uh, and also the way it says, uh, do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now, this is really interesting, I think, because you've got, um, you've got this essential suggestion that, um, that uh, re- uh, you know, not, not having sex for a time and instead uh, fasting and prayer, sort of a de- self-denial with consent for a time, actually has a special sort of uh, ability to affect things. And that that's a really great thing about prayer. I mean... Can you imagine to have to to say, okay, we're not going to do this because we're going to pray for the healing of, of one of our brothers, or we're going to pray for our you know children that are not saved. You know, may, that's a sort of a great way to you know uh, to to ex- as it's implied here to ex- strengthen the um, the effectiveness of your prayers. But it also, obviously the the overarching idea here is that. Um, that you shouldn't withhold sex from your wife or your husband as some sort of, for whatever reason. And there's obviously it's giving us reasons here. The great thing about the Bible is that, uh, it doesn't give you commands without reasons. In almost every case, it's saying, don't do this because of this. I mean, that's such a, a wonderful thing that explains not just, uh, the psychology of it all, but also sometimes the, the physicality of it and certainly the spiritual nature of it. Okay, I think that's uh, about going to wrap it up for the show today. Remember some of the things mentioned here today about uh, Keith Thompson's new film, Aquarius, Age of Evil. Um, also, the uh, verse-by-verse Bible teaching updated website there. Remember, your Catholic testimonies, very, very important. If you have, uh, or former Catholic have no ways out of it uh, for and want to help somebody, please email me at nowhere to run 1984 at gmail.com. And let's get something together and working with that. The more the merrier. And also the homosexual uh, videos. I will put a link to a place where you can download that. And uh, and then you can, uh, uh, of course, uh, upload it to your 
uh, YouTube channels, rename it. That would also be helpful. So thanks to everybody for listening. And uh, see you on the Frank and Chris Show every Wednesday uh, night on TalkShoe.com. And looking forward to uh, seeing you over there at the Verse by Verse BibleTeaching.com website too. Thanks a lot. Bye.